as we continue in our study of 1 John, John has already told us why he's writing his book. He says to us, he says, uh, this is, uh, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. That he wants our joy to be, our lives to be filled with joy so much that if we added one more job, drop of joy in our lives, it would just overflow. It's complete. It's full. And so he's writing and he reminds us and he's already told us and he's going to continue in this thing that uh, that one of the joy killers in our lives is sin. That is a lack of holiness. So, you know, we, we said last week, a holy life leads to a joyful life. Why? Because a holy life is as close to God as we can get. And he is the source of our joy. And so he goes on to write in chapter 2, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he, meaning Jesus, walked. Now, John is an old man now. He's the oldest living apostle. All the other apostles, probably up to this point, have been martyred. They died. And John, who will live to a ripe old age, he has lived a Christian life for a long time now. And he's lived it with joy. Why? Because he heard Jesus say, I'm telling you these things so that you might have joy and that your joy might be full. He's heard Jesus say, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have joy because I have overcome the world. And John has lived his life believing the words of Jesus, living it out and finding that joy. And he wants the same things for, his, for the church. He wants the same things for you and I. And he says, listen, since sin is a joy killer... He says, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Now, literally, that's a continual action, that you may not continue in sin, that you may not go continue in the direction of sin. Why? Because when we've come to Jesus, we've repented, and we go on repenting every day, turning from sin and ourselves and turning to trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But because we are going in that direction doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. Why? We're going to continually fall short of the glory of God. We're going to continually miss the mark. Even though our desire is to be obedient, as Paul says, we, there are going to be times that we know what we want to do and we want to do it right, but man, we're, we're not going to do it. Why? Because we're sinners by nature. And so he says, I'm writing these things so that you may not continue in sin, so that you might have joy because you're living a holy life. But uh, at the same time, I, I, I want you to know that you have joy because why? Because what does he say? 
uh, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Now, what does he mean by that? Because that doesn't really make sense to us. Because we would think, some people would say, well, to know that I'm going to be forgiven anyways is to, is to say, well, why don't I just go on and sin? And John is saying, no, that's the exact opposite. To know that God loves you with an everlasting love, that he's always going to be faithful to you, that he is never going to leave you nor forsake you, that you can never, once he is, you are in his hands, you will never be cast out. No one can get you out of Jesus' hand. And have that kind of love is to, to, to want to love him back. I'm reminded of a story of a of a, a young man who had uh, who had did not grow up as a Christian, and so through his young adult life, he he lived uh, as the prodigal son a riotous life, and 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 he he experienced a lot of immorality, sexual immorality. But then he came to know Christ, and, and as a believer, he found he he met a young woman who was a Christian, and he fell in love with her, but. But he, he was afraid to ask her to marry him because he knew the, the temptations in his life and the sin that was in his life in the past, and he, he didn't want to hurt her. And so he went and talked to the pastor, and he told him this thing, and, and the pastor said, listen, why don't you go be honest with her? Go be honest with her. And so he went and talked to her, and he said, and he told her the whole story. He told her about his past life and about his fears that, that one day he might be tempted again. And he never wanted to hurt her. And, and his desire was to serve Christ. But, but, and his desire was to do what was right. But he was afraid. And she looked at him and she says, I know your past. I'm aware of it. And I know that, that Satan might tempt you again. But I want you to know going into this, I will forgive you. And he said to himself, wow, that is the greatest motivation I know to keep from sinning, to keep from hurting her. And you see, that's the way it is with God. Man, to know that he will forgive us, that we have this advocate, Jesus Christ, is to know that I don't want to sin. And we have this advocate, which means one who stands beside us that he is the advocate and he is righteous. He is always good. He is going to keep his word. And he is what? What does John say? He is the propitiation for our sins. Now, that's a word we don't really use these days. Uh, but it really, it, it means to, to take away the wrath of our sins. To take away the wrath of our sins. And that is what Jesus did. The, the word propitiation in the Old Testament, we get the word mercy seat from it. He is our mercy seat. You remember it in the Old Testament on the Day of Atonement. What happened? The, the, the high priest, sacri the, the sacrifice was made and the blood, uh, the blood was taken into the Holy of Holies and sprinkled on the mercy seat. And what was in the mercy seat? The inside was the mercy seat was the, the uh, cover to the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant were the broken Ten Commandments and Aaron's staff that budded and, and manna, all things that represented the sins of the people. And what happens? The blood, the mercy seat represented the throne of God and the blood came between God and our sin. That's what Jesus is. Jesus' blood comes between our sin 
and God. And so that as we are living our lives, as we see, this is so awesome. As we are living our lives and we are seeking to be obedient to him. And when we fall short and we confess our sins, Jesus, our advocate, is standing next to us and is standing with us. And he's saying to his father, this one's sin is covered by my blood. Forgive him. Wow. Wow. This one's sin is covered by my blood. Forgive him. Wow. There, 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 we have complete forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And he says, listen, he is not only the propitiation for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, wait a minute. Now, let's not get confused here. He's not saying that, that, that all the world is saved. What he's saying is John is a Jew. And, and, and John is a Jew, and he's saying that, you know, the Old Testament, that, that holy of holy picture was only for the Israelites. But Jesus' blood not only covers those who confess him who are of Israel, but, he all, but us Gentiles as well. Wow, we are covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. And he comes between us, our sin, and the wrath of God. And so he goes on and he says, listen, okay, so I've written these things that you know that you'll be forgiven. And because you know that you'll be forgiven, you want to continue in that righteous life. And he says, and by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. That's what Jesus said. If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. How do we know that we have salvation? We are being obedient to him. That is, listen, I, you know, my, and I say this over and over again, the, the assurance of my salvation is not what happened to me when I was seven years old. The assurance of my salvation comes from today that says, today I have woken up and I said, Jesus, I don't want to follow my way. I want to follow your ways. I'm turning away from my sin and myself. I'm turning to trust you and obedience to you. I'm seeking to be obedient to you every day. And because that is the desire of my life, I know that I have come to know him. And when I have that assurance, guess what? I have joy. I have joy because I'm not, I, you know, I, I, rem, I know, I know from experience how much doubt can rob you of joy. I know from experience because I always kept looking at myself and never looking at Jesus. And, and those doubts kept me waffling. But, you know, to know that I have salvation today is to know that I am being obedient to him, not because I'm trying to earn something from him, but because I love him. And that has given me joy. And then he goes on and says, whoever says I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. That is, you remember, John is dealing with people. We said the last week, John is dealing with people who are separating the spirit from the flesh. And they were saying, I can do anything I want to in my flesh and it's not going to affect my spirit. I have a right relationship with God no matter what I do in my body. And he's saying, listen. If you do what you want to do and go the way of sin, listen, and you're saying you're a believer, you're a liar. You're a liar. And see, that's a word for us today. How many people who, how many people who live in our world right now who say they've trusted Christ, but they live like the devil? And John says, you're a liar. You're a liar. But notice something else he says, and the truth is not in him. 
That is, don't listen to him. Listen, you know, don't listen to him because the truth is not in him. You know, we, we live in a day right now where we got a lot of preachers out there who, who live whatever way they want to do, but they get up and preach. And, 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 and you look, at especially these prosperity preachers, and, and you look at their lives, and, and he's saying the truth is not in them. Don't listen to them. You know, don't follow them. But whoever keeps his word, verse 5, in him truly the love of God is perfected. Wow, okay, what does he mean by that? Does that mean that God's love for us is not already perfect? No. It's not God's love for us that is made perfect, but it is our love for him that is made perfect. Why? Because when we are obedient to him, what does he do? He reveals more of himself to us. The reason we don't know God as much as we should is because we haven't been obedient to what he's already revealed to us. But the more we are obedient to what he has revealed to us, the more we are obedient, the more he reveals to us. And the more he reveals to us, the more we love him. The more we love him. You know, the longer I serve him, what the song said, the sweeter he grows. That is, my love is perfected. My love is growing. You see, I don't have a perfect love for God. But listen, the more I'm obedient to him, the more I know him, and the more I know him, the more I love him, and the more I love him, the more I'm obedient, and the more I'm obedient, the more I love, uh, know him, and the more I know him, the more I love him. That's what John is saying here. And then he says, by this, we may be sure that we are in him again. Again, that obedience is giving us that assurance that we are in him, that we know that we love him. And then he closes out and he says, whoever says he abides in him, uh, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now the word walk there is, is not just, just walking, but it's how we live. He's saying, listen, if you abide in Jesus, you ought to live the same way he did. You ought to live with, with love for sinners and, and forgiving and, and, and mercy and compassion. You ought to live loving God and, and being obedient to him. That's the way Jesus walked. You see, we are Christians. We are Christ-like. And the more we love him and obedient, and if we say we abide in him, if, we are, uh, if he is with us and we are with him and he is with us, then we walk where he wants us to go. I said this before. Walking with God is not walking him walking with us where we want to go. It is walking with him where he is headed. And we ought to walk like him. That's exactly what John is saying here. And he's saying, listen, when you walk like him and you're obedient and, and, and your obedience is not because you're trying to earn something, but you're, you've received salvation and you love him and you want to serve him, you will have joy. So the question is today, how much joy is in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to spend a little time in your word today. And I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that the word has not just gone into our ears, but has gone to our hearts. And if there's anything that is robbing us of joy today, Lord, we'll confess that sin, knowing that you are faithful, that Jesus is standing there as our advocate and saying to, to his father, this one's covered by my blood.
And knowing that, Lord, we want to love you even more and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.